0: you know, we could spend probably the next six months just going through this, this book of the Bible. I mean, there's just so much wisdom in it. There's just so much stuff within it that we could take and start applying to our lives and see complete and total transformation happen. But I, I I have something coming up next week that I'm really excited about. We'll see about a little bit later. I know y'all are, I see people looking at the cards and they're in their bulletin and stuff. So, uh, you know, we're, we're starting a new series called the hangover next week. So, uh, It's going to be a little crazy. It's going to be a little wild. I'll talk about it a little bit later. But I want you guys all to focus in here for a moment. Can you guys all focus in? I know it's hard. I know it's hard because you're like, what in the world are they going to do? We don't even know yet. So that's why you want to come. I'm just telling you. It's just going to be buck wild crazy because that's how we roll, okay? but we're gonna, we're gonna focus in on what James has to say to us today. And we're gonna talk about uh, a subject that, uh, that I believe that a lot of people deal with. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily the most popular thing in our lives. In fact, most of us do not like it. And it's this word called temptation. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a very surgical word, man. It, it cuts before it changes and it hurts before it heals. And I believe that all of us every single day are dealing with this thing called temptation. And so today, if you wanna open up your Bible to James chapter one, we're going to be hanging out in verses 13 through 18 and just kind of talking through those. And I know normally, man, I give you all these points and stuff on your notes, man. Today, if it's okay, I just want to preach a little bit. And so there there are no points. I'm just going to yell and scream and you're just going to nod your head and yes and amen and shout me down and all kinds of stuff. We're going to go back old school a little bit. Is that cool? Okay, no, it's not. Okay, well then you guys can make up points along the way and just put them in your own notes. How does that work? So we'll work it out for you guys. James chapter one, verses 13 through 18. Uh, It says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like sifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of God that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all He created. Let's just pray here today real quick before we get really dive into this. Father God, I just come before you and I just pray that you would just illuminate your scriptures to us here today. God, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words. And God, that you would open up our hearts and our lives to receive what you have for us today. Because God, I believe that you want to work in this area of our life. Because I believe that if if we can get and understand and, and recognize temptation, God, it will solve so many of the issues that we deal with in life. And so, Holy Spirit, man, we just give you free reign to do whatever you want to do here today. God, I just pray that you just move in our lives in an extraordinary way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. You know, most of the time that that we're in here, I like to preach positive sermons. You know, I'm all about like, feeling better than when you came in and making the, the gospel of Christ really, really simple. But for some reason, when, when we start talking about temptation and we start ta- talking about burdens and we start talking about sin, those aren't necessarily subjects that are like, everybody's like real rah-rah about. Like everybody does not come to church and say, let's talk about sin for a couple of weeks. How does that sound? That just sounds like so much fun. I mean, nobody is like going around and using that word anymore. No, does anybody use sin a lot? Is that like a f- common word in your vocabulary? Nobody, wow, what do you know because it's it 's not something that 's very popular in our culture and, and this thing called temptation is, is is something that is is going around and it's very evident and it 's something that's that we 're all dealing with and, and, and I believe and I understand man I, there is temptation all around us and and God, for some reason, whenever i 'm studying for a message like this, gives me so many opportunities to experience uh, above normal temptation and above normal uh, opportunities to mess up and screw up. And I think he does that so I can empathize and I can sympathize and I can really understand what a, what a lot of you guys are going through on a daily basis. And, 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 you know, a lot of times when I sit down with people, people are always like, you know, I'm dealing with this, but you wouldn't understand because you're a pastor and you don't deal with any of that stuff. And I just want to be like, that is a bunch of baloney, man. I want to tell you what, I feel like I am a marked man every single day. I feel like I deal with more temptation and more opportunities to screw up and mess up than probably you will ever experience in your life. Because I know that that the devil, more than anything else, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, wants to jack up my life. Because if he can jack up my life, he can influence a whole bunch of other people and be like, if that dude can't do it, then we sure can't. If he messes up, then what hope do we have? I mean, that's his job, that's his profession. You know, what are we gonna do? And so a lot of times, you know, I, I feel like I'm not really very good at a lot of subjects, but for some reason, I feel like I'm an expert in this subject. And I don't say that, I don't think I've ever said that about anything. I don't think I've ever said that I feel like I'm an expert, but I feel like I'm an expert in the subject of temptation because it's something that I deal with daily. And I wanna tell you guys something, man, you know what, you are a marked man and woman. You are marked, the enemy wants nothing more to come into your life and jack up your life to, to, to kill your dreams, to steal your relationships, to, to screw up your finances, to get your life all messed up And he wants you to, to end up screwing up so that when people look at your life and say, you know what, that God thing that they had, that was just a crutch. That was just a fad. That wasn't something that was really real in their life. In fact, look at their life. I mean, they just give in to all this stuff and they, they didn't, they didn't really know what this God thing was all about. And so that they can just write God off because of the temptation that we give into. And we are marked and we are in a battle every single day. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. We got to recognize that. And, and when, I was, when I was younger, when I was in high school, I played high school football. Any high school football players out there? Me, Stock, and a couple other guys. That's what I'm talking about. Bringing it up. Some high school football. I loved playing football. I loved going to practice. Anybody else like going to practice? I just liked hitting people. It was the only place at school that you were allowed to hit people and they encouraged it. It was awesome. But one of the things that I hated about football practice is after we'd get done practicing, they would make us go back to locker room change and then we'd go and sit and we'd watch game film. We would go and we would sit for the next hour and watch film of ourselves, and then we'd grab film of the team we are about to play and we'd watch film on them and we'd be looking for for uh, tendencies and we'd be looking for areas where we were messing up or where we needed to shore up our offense or where we need to shore up our defense or or where somebody wasn't able to get off a block and and I remember one day going to our coach, his name was Coach Meckley, and going, Coach Meck, man, why why do we watch so much game film? I mean, isn't this a little bit ridiculous? We go out there and we hit people, we know what we're doing, and then you. Come back in here and you make us watch it? What's the deal with that? Why are we watching the other team? I don't even get this. And he said, TJ, listen, man, you better believe that the other team is watching us. So we better be watching them so we can gain every single advantage that we can to win this game. We need every single advantage that we can to win this game. And I want to tell you something here today, man, uh, this is something that is so key. Our opponent is watching us. And I love what James does here because James basically says, listen, I'm going to have you sit down and do a little bit of game film study right here. I'm going to let you in on some secrets of what the enemy wants to do, how he wants to come in and mess up your life. Because here's the thing, our enemy is out there watching game film. He is out there, our enemy, the devil. And I I know some of you guys, I'm not talking about a guy with horns. I'm talking about the, the guy that's invisible, that's active, that's out there that's trying to get you to, to, to get your life ruined. He's trying to find every single angle that he can find. He's trying to find every single weakness that he can he can find within your defense system. He's trying to see when you're lonely and when you're weak. So he can exploit those things and give you temptation that you will end up falling in. And this dude is out there and he is watching Gamefield. He's studying us, he's lurching around every corner, and waiting for that moment, waiting to see that opening so he can bust through your line of defense and sack you, get you down, take you out. And this is what we gotta understand. Man, our enemy wants to get into our marriage and he wants to break that thing up. He wants to get into our finances and get us overspending. He wants to get involved in our kids' lives and get them separated from us, man. He is looking to get involved in every area of your life, man. He's getting in there and he's causing you to worry about the potential hurricanes that could come because that's all that's on the news all the time. And we start worrying about it and all of a sudden our defense system is taken down and he's got us because he's been studying our tendencies he's been studying those things he's looking for the weakest point in first peter 5 8 says this it says keep a cool head stay alert the devil is poised to pounce and we like nothing be- better than to catch you napping keep your guard up keep your guard up and this is what i want to say if your enemy is studying you 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 better be studying your enemy if your enemy is studying you, man, we better be studying him. We better be finding out how this thing called temptation works. Man, we need to understand what are the weak points in our lives. We, we need to understand what are the areas that we have a tendency to fall in. What are those things that, that he gets into so easily that we've been just allowing him to because we haven't been paying any attention to those little openings that are within our defense. In James 1.13, he starts out, and he says, when tempted, he doesn't say, if tempted he says when tempted he says listen temptation is going to come it's not it's not maybe it will it's inevitable it's going to come after you it's going to come at you in some form or some fashion and we better be ready and this is the thing temptation is not a sin a lot of us think that temptation is a sin when temptation comes to us man oh man I'm, i'm done temptation is not a sin I know a lot of young men that struggle with this whole thing of lust and they think, oh man, because, because this temptation of, of wanting to look at that girl two, three, four, five times keeps coming into my mind, man, that, man, that I, I can't have a relationship with God and I don't think that's the case at all. I think that, that when temptation comes in and we recognize that temptation, that, that, is a, that should be the greatest signal that God is moving within us, that his Holy Spirit is working and saying, hey, red alert, red alert, somebody's trying to break through, something's happening. That should be the biggest proof of evidence that God is in your life, not that your God is missing from your life. And the enemy, he wants to come in and he wants to tempt. And man, we better be ready. And here's the deal, man. If you haven't had a head-on collision with the devil, there's a good chance you've been running with him. That's the truth, man. If, if you're like, man, I haven't been tempted in whatever, look at your life because you are not following Jesus right now. Because if you're following after Jesus, man, the devil is after you. He is trying to stop your progress. He is trying to keep you from scoring the goal. He's trying to keep you from getting in the end zone. And we need to recognize that, man, that's how it is. And somebody taught me a long time ago, the greater level of intimacy we have with God, the greater knowledge that we get of him, the more understanding that we have of God, man, the greater the temptation is gonna come into our lives. Where they say? New levels equal new devils. There's going to be more stuff that's coming at us continually. And we need to recognize, man, that our enemy is out there. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus understands this better than anybody that's out there. And in fact, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Man, the temptation might look a little bit different, but it's the same song and dance. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows the exact temptations because the devil isn't creative. Man, he isn't this innovative guy. He knows he's coming at you with the same couple of things over and over and over and over again. In fact, in 1 John two sixteen, it says for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Man, those are the same exact things that Jesus was tempted with. And those are the same exact things that we're tempted with every day. The the lust of the flesh. What what happened to Jesus, man? Jesus just got done fasting. How many of you guys know that after 40 days of not eating anything, you're gonna be pretty freaking hungry? I'm hungry after 40 minutes of not eating anything. So I can't imagine 40 days, you know? I bet you that dude was hungry and the devil comes to him and says, listen, turn this rock into some bread temptation right there look boof there's a there's some bread go ahead and eat it he said man i don't live by bread alone but i live on every word of god man he understood that temptation was coming next thing devil takes him up on the mountain and says look at all these kingdoms you can have them all less of the the eyes man here's all this here's all this you can have it all man you can take it jesus understands next he he says jump off this mountain and have the angel save you man right there this pride of life man you can do that you're you're that good Jesus was tempted in the very same way that we are tempted continuously. And sometimes I know that we feel so tempted and we get to this point where we're like, God, I don't even know where you are because there's so much temptation around me. And and God, if you're around, would would you show yourself but you feel so distant from me? In fact, you feel so distant, you can't even remember what it was like getting to the cross because of how much temptation is around you. And Jesus is saying right there, man, I understand, man, I can empathize with you. I know what that's like, but listen, there is a way out of this. There is something that you can do. There is something that can happen in your life. And we jump back into James one thirteen. It says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Remember, this isn't a theological book. This is a practical application book. And and God, this is the thing about God. God will allow you to go into a trial. God is gonna allow trials in your life, but he does not bring temptation to you. God does not bring temptation in your life. He allows trials, but he does not bring temptation into your life. And so some of you 15-year-old girls that are in the backseat of the car with a guy that isn't your husband that you're out there with and he's starting to hook your bra bra strap, you gotta recognize, man, that God doesn't tempt you and God ain't in that. You need to stop it. Some of you guys are into some shady business dealings and you're, you're saying, oh man, it's because of the economy. And I just want to tell you, God ain't in that. God doesn't tempt you to do things that aren't right. Some of, some of you out there, you're starting to flirt with somebody of the opposite sex who isn't your spouse. And I want to tell you today, God ain't in that. God does not do that. And if God ain't in it, then we need to get the hell out of it. If God ain't in it, we need to get out of that situation because the only thing that's going to come out of that is sin in our lives and temptation is coming there he's trying to get us out of that situation because the devil knows that man if he can tempt us enough man he's going to get us to give into that he's going to give into that because what we got to recognize man is that every good and perfect gift comes from god every good and perfect gift comes from god and some of y'all you're starting to overeat and god ain't in it some of you guys are starting to overspend and god ain't in it some of you guys have some, some bitterness and some, some anger in your heart right now, and God ain't in that. God ain't in that. That isn't how he operates. That isn't how he rolls in life. Some of you guys are telling some little, little white lies, and you think it's no big deal, but God ain't in that. God isn't in that, man. God is in that way. God will never tempt you, man. He is holy. He is just. He has got a plan for your life, and he is not going to cause you to be tempted. Man, he's going to lead you out of temptation because that is his character, and that is his nature. And if God ain't in it, you need to get that crap out of your life. Some of you guys are starting to become apathetic in your relationship with God. Some of you are starting to become apathetic, man. You've, uh, you've stopped praying. You've stopped reading your Bible. You've stopped hanging out in relationships. you stopped being a part of small groups. You've allowed other relationships to creep in. You've allowed your work to dictate your time. And God ain't in it. God ain't in that. God wants all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. He wants it all. And we need to make a clean break from some of those things because if God ain't in it, man, we need to get out of it. We need to get out of it. And James continues on. In verse 14, he says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James says, by our own evil desires. Would have been one thing if, if James would have been like, you know what? It's the devil that made me do it. You know, I mean, because that's what I think. The devil made me do it. Anybody else, that's their, that's their excuse when they get tempted? Devil made me do it. In fact, I remember in high school, I had this friend right after I gave my life to Christ. Um, his name was Jason Glasgow. And, and and he would show up late to stuff. Like we'd be supposed to be, meet somewhere and he'd be like 30 minutes late and he'd show up and he'd be like, sorry, TJ, man, the devil made me do it. I just, I just couldn't get out of bed this morning. I'd be like, the devil? And then he, he'd like sleep with another girl and be like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. The devil made me do it. I was like, the devil didn't make you do jack squat. And this is what I've realized over time is that I've gotten to know the nature and the character of God. I've realized that there's more evil within me than there is in this world. Then most of the time, the devil didn't make me do it. It was my own evil desires that caused me to fall into those temptations. The devil might've put some temptation there, but he didn't make me do it. He didn't make me do it. I chose to do that. I chose to do that. I chose to jump in there and allow that to happen. And James is really pointing out two areas here that I think are pretty critical that we need to understand. And the first one is this, that we have to own our own sin. We've got to own our own sin. Because each one, it says, is tempted by his own evil desires. It's my own, I own that desire. And a lot of times we focus on the, on the big ones. You know, we, we focus on crack cocaine or, or infidelity or, or uh, greed or stealing millions of dollars in the housing market and then having the government bail you out. We're not going to get into that, but we focus on those things. But we don't really focus a lot on things like worry, which is the opposite of worship that's a sin in our life. And so we, we've, got to, we've got to own our own sin. And I think the second thing we have to do is, is we each have our own variety of sin, that we choose we each have our own variety because you know what we all have our own poison I mean the thing that I like might not be the thing that you like it might not be the thing that you give into it might not even affect you in fact let me let me do it like this how many of y'all love chocolate chip cookies anybody like chocolate chip cookies fresh baked chocolate chip cookies okay let me do it this way how many of y'all don't like chocolate chip cookies Okay, like two of you. Okay, three, three, sorry, four, four, five. Okay, we got five people. We will pray for y'all afterwards. But anyways, okay, chocolate chip cookies, man. There's nothing like the break and bake chocolate chip cookies. You cook them at home and you pull them out right before they're finished. And the the, the cookie dough is still gooey. And when you break it open, like the chocolate kind of stretches out a little bit and you put it in your mouth and just like melts there. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's so good. It will make you slap your mama and say, thank you. I mean, it is awesome. It is awesome. And, and, and I remember I was at my house and... uh I had a good friend that was over and, and, and Shayla just made chocolate chip cookies and she loves chocolate chip cookies. She is like, like literally she is the cookie monster. I mean, that is, she could eat chocolate chip cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then have them for a snack at midnight. I mean, they could be at every meal, uh, for her. And so we always have chocolate chip cookies at our house. It's kind of why the physique is the way it is. It looks like a cookie. So, uh, (laughs) cookie dough. Yeah, that's right there. Um, and so, We had some cookies and I'm eating, I'm eating this cookie. And this guy's like, you know what, man, I don't really, I don't really like cookies. I don't know why you like chocolate chip cookies. And I'm like, and I I was sitting there and I was eating my, he's like, they're so bad for you. I mean, they're, is just going straight to your gut. And as he's saying this, I'm watching him pound the jumbo bag of Doritos, just like chip after chip, you know, and he's talking to me about the healthiness of chocolate chip cookies and how they're going to my gut. And, and here he is, he piled down this bag of Doritos. It was gone it was toast and what I recognize is that man we all have our own garden variety of sin and what your choice may be might not be my choice we all have that thing that tempts us that takes us away that that kind of gets us out of the way and 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 you know what man I I don't I don't really have a problem going out to the club and getting drunk in fact I'm I'm 32 that isn't really the desire of my life anymore and so but I do have some pride issues I do struggle with anger a little bit, you know, and maybe, 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 you know, the, the thing that, that grabs you is alcohol. Maybe it's not. Maybe yours is, you're a control freak. And when you go and, uh, you're having family pictures and the family isn't dressed exactly the way you want it. And they're not in the exact order that you want. You freak out and throw a fit. I've been doing some game study on y'all. I know what's up. I know what's up. We all have different things that we are struggling with, that we are, that we are looking at. And the Bible says when we are enticed and dragged away, we are enticed when we're when that thing comes around. And this is the thing. Psychologists are just now starting to talk about this thing. They're saying, listen, man, as we've been studying people, we've been studying science, as we notice that serotonin levels are going down, people have a propensity or a predisposition to go out and rob banks or murder people and stuff because we all have our own desires. And that's exactly what James is talking about. In fact, if you want to know what, what science is going to find out, you can pretty much look in the Bible and it's already there. James is saying this very thing like, listen, science, you're just figuring that out. I've Been saying that for 2,000 years that man, people are already predispositioned to do some stuff. There's already some own desires within each and every one of our lives that we are all geared towards for ourselves and nobody else is. And we get dragged away by those things. And listen, the devil isn't creative. He isn't creative, man. He's just coming and he's looking for that weak point and he's he's gonna entice, he's gonna entice, he's gonna entice, he's gonna entice, he's gonna entice in the same manners, in the same fashions because that's what he does. He knows eventually I'm gonna get them to give in. I'm gonna get them to do that. And that he's looking for the thing that drags you away, that drags you away. And my question for you today is, what is the thing that drags you away? What is that sin that tempts you? What is the thing that, that grabs you and gets you out of that relationship with God, that gets you off that path? Because we're all enticed. We're all dragged away. I was, uh, I was playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out the other day. Anybody, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, original Nintendo, couple people. I, like when I was eight years old, I had an original Nintendo as a little box and it had that square plastic game. You stick it in there. You have to stick another game on top to get it to work. Everybody remember that? Yeah. You know, you had the two buttons and a little joystick kind of controller. It was awesome. And I love Mike Tyson's punch out. Come on. Some fans in there. You know, you got the old school characters, the glass Joe, the piston Hondo, uh, the bald bull. Uh, you, who, who'd you say? King, hip- King Hippo King Hippo King Hippo is one of my favorites. And, and I was playing it the other day. And in fact, I couldn't remember how to beat King Hippo. And uh, and because what I know about the game is that every one of them has a weakness or a tendency that you got to figure out in order to defeat them. And, and King Hippo, I was playing and, and King Hippo was there. And I was like, oh man, what do I do? How is this going to work? And, and finally, I remembered what the secret to beating King Hippo was, is that when, when he, after he's punched for a while, he gets tired and his mouth opens up and you punch him in the mouth. And when you punch him in the mouth, his pants drop. Really wholesome game for an eight year old, you know. And as he's picking up his pants, you punch him in the stomach until he gets knocked out. (laughs) You all can go home and play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out now and know how to beat King Hippo. But what I realized in playing that game is that we all have weaknesses. We all have areas where there is some sort of combination, whether it's an uppercut, a a, a flailing right or left or whatever it may be, a kick to the chest. We all have some sort of weaknesses that can get exploited. And when they do, man, they entice you. And the devil, man, he's been watching you He's been been watching you from afar. He's been watching game film of your fights. He's been seeing every single move that you have and he's waiting for that moment. He's waiting for that opportunity where you're lonely, where, where you're not feeling so hot, where you're kind of depressed and he can come in and he can just entice. He can just entice in that moment. And he's saying, man, I've got you figured out. I've got the exact thing right now in your weakest point to take you away. And that word enticed, Then dragged away in the Greek, it means to bait the hook, to lure you away. Because that's exactly what Satan wants to do. Because here's the deal If, if, if you're out fishing, do you throw just a fishing line out there with nothing on it, just a hook? No, what fish is ever gonna just go bite a hook? I mean, not a very smart fish. I mean, I guess there might be one or two that are out there. I don't know. But the majority of the time, a fish is not gonna just bite a hook. What happens is there has to be some bait on there. There's got to be some sort of temptation. And the devil, man, he is throwing temptation out there at us. And he's, he's reeling it in right in front of our noses. And he's saying, come on, come on, take this, take this. And as we do, man, he's looking for that easiest place. He's looking for that opportune time where you'll just grab hold of it. And all of a sudden, man, he's gonna set that hook and he's got you. He's got you. The Eskimos in Alaska, they... Uh, they have a pretty big problem with wolves up there. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but wolves are pretty opportunistic animals. They, they're looking for opportunities. They're always prowling around. They're always lurching in, in the shadows, waiting for their opportune moment where they, can, where they can sick something, where they can attack something, where they can grab that prey. And, and the Eskimos, because of this problem, they, they, they were trying to figure out how they could get rid of some of the wolf population. And so uh, they had this idea that they started, they grabbed the knife during the wintertime and they, they dipped it in blood and they would freeze it over and then they would dip it in some more blood and they would freeze it over and they would do this multiple times until they made like basically a blood popsicle on top of this knife and they would go out and they would stick it in the snow with the, with the blade up and, and in the night the, the wolves would smell the blood they would be tempted by this blood and they would come and they would start licking the blood off the knife And as they would lick the knife, eventually they would lick the blood that was on the knife off. And what would happen is, because they had such a taste for blood, that as they were licking that off, they would start to cut their tongue and they would start to bleed. And because this this thirst for this temptation, this blood that they were seeking so much, they would start to bleed to death. And in the morning, the Eskimos would come out and they would find the wolves dead in their own blood. They would choke on their own blood. And Satan has baited the hook and enticed some of us for so long. He's he's put it out there and we've been licking that knife for so long that we do not even realize that we are choking on the very thing that he has put out in front of us. Maybe he's got you so worried based on the newscast. You used to be filled with faith, and, but you've been listening to that newscaster saying, oh man, you gotta, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. The economy's crashing, all this stuff. And you start to give in to worry. And pretty soon, instead of allowing God and faith to control your life, you're allowing worry to control and dictate every single decision that you make because he set the bait out there and you're choking on the very thing that you used to not choke on. In fact, you used to have trust there. And James is talking about desire there. In in verse 15, he says, and then after his desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Last time I checked, but conception is a pretty painful thing. I think that every woman here that's had a kid will tell you child birth is probably one of the most painful things. And, and we don't recognize that sin is this painful thing that's happening within us that, that is tearing apart our life. And it's birthing something that, that when it's full grown, man, it's going to end up killing us. I heard Dr. Phil say this. He was on, he was on his show. This, this girl who was 19 years old, she already had six kids and was on his show. And he was talking to her and he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just love babies. I just want to have babies. And and Dr. Phil looked at her and and he said with all sincerity, you know that those puppies are going to grow up to be big dogs one day. If you keep having babies, they're going to grow up and they're going to be something that's so much bigger, so much greater than you could ever imagine. And you're going to have to take care of that stuff. And some of y'all out there today, you're coddling sin, you think it's this beautiful thing, this beautiful baby that you've given birth to, but I want to tell you something. Man, that thing is going to grow up and it's going to entice you, it's going to make you do things, it's going to get you to play a game that you never wanted to play in your life. And then when it gets you in that game, you're going to find out that it's a game that you cannot get out of without the power of Christ working within you, and it's going to get you to keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. And sooner or later, you're going to be doing things you never thought you were going to do, you're going to be saying things that you never thought you were going to say, and you're Going to be experiencing pain that you never thought you would experience because you gave in and you allowed temptation to not just birth, to, but to grow up into full life and to where it's producing death in your life and it's killing areas because that is what our enemy is all about. He's about stealing, killing, and destroying your life. That's what he is. That's what he does. And that's all that he wants to do within you. And we've got to recognize that. We've got to recognize that man, Satan is there to destroy our lives. I love, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Genesis chapter three, the story of Adam and Eve. And I don't know why I like this story. It's, it's a little sick and demented, but it's a story where they're in the garden and Eve and Adam are there and the serpent comes to them. It's a, it's a form of, of Satan here. It's a, it's a form of Satan. And he comes to him and it says he was more crafty than all the other animals. And he comes up to Eve and he says, did God really say that you could not touch or eat of that tree? You know, he comes in and, and he starts to tempt her with some things. And what happens, the Bible says when she turned and looked at the tree and saw that it was desirable right there, that's when temptation happens. She turned and she looked and she saw, oh, that looks good. That looks good. And as soon as desire happened, instead of saying, oh, man, this is, God said no, she went and she ate of the tree. She gave some to Adam, who's an idiot, and I'm going to punch him when I get to heaven because of this. Right in the throat, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, stupid. Uh, jacked it all up for us. Uh, and all of a sudden, gave birth. Gave birth to sin. It was running rampant ever since. And what did God do? He comes into the garden and he says, Hey, Adam, he didn't call Eve. No, that tells me. It says, Guys, we're responsible for our families. He comes and he comes looking for them and he's he's calling out to them. That, you know why? Because God will always call out for you no matter how far away you get from him. He is always searching. He is always looking. He is always looking for a way to bring you back into that relationship that's been severed by the sin that's evident in our lives. And this is what we got to know, man, is that, that God is coming to look for us, And but I believe the solution to this whole idea, this whole thing of, of coming and, and finding truth and, and learning how to get over temptation is found in the second part of this passage in James. And it says this in verse 16, it says, do not, don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters for every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly gifts who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to forgive us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And I wanna tell you today that I believe that the solution to resisting temptation is that after you understand the temptation is there, you got to arm yourself with truth. And this is the thing that I think we miss about this story, that is so important in this Adam and Eve story. And I believe that James was when he, when he was talking about this, I think he was reflecting on the story and looking at it. Is that there was one tree that they could not have. One. How many trees could they have? All the rest. All the rest, they can have everything else. And you know what our problem is? You know what, what screws us up and what tempts us is that we look at the one thing that we can't have instead of looking at every good and perfect gift that God has already given us. And we get focused on, oh, I don't have that. So I'm gonna focus on that instead of looking around and seeing everything that God has given us. And if we would look around and see everything that God has given us and how good and how perfect and how great it is, we would never get swept away by the one thing that we don't have because it's that one relationship that's causing you to go away from God. It's that one desire for more money that's causing you to go away from God. It's that one thing that you keep giving into that's taking you away from God. But over here, he's got everything good and he's got everything perfect and he's got a purpose and he's got a plan and he wants to do something awesome in your life but you keep focusing on the one thing instead of saying God look at all this awesome stuff that you've given me it's like going to a freaking Brazilian steakhouse how many of you guys been to a Brazilian steakhouse it is where it's at but what is the first thing they do Brazilian steakhouse if you've never been there it's a place where there is more meat that you can eat than you could ever imagine it comes out on skewers and they just chop it off and you just eat it all It's awesome. It's a man place. It's like driving. Green is go, red is stop. Green, just keep bringing meat. But what do they do? As soon as you walk in, they have the most beautiful salad bar that you have ever seen in your life. And it's got everything imaginable on it. And they want to entice you with that. And and the first time I went to a Brazilian steakhouse, they got me. I saw that salad bar and I was like, dang, look at all that salad. And they got all these cool hors d'oeuvres and they had some sushi there. They had all this stuff. And I started eating that. and I was like, this is awesome. And then when it was time for meat, I couldn't eat any. I filled up on salad bar, $50 and I missed out on the meat. Never again, never again. And a lot of us man honestly god has got this perfect and great thing for us this filet and 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 sirloin and chicken and bacon wrapped anything and just got all this good and perfect stuff that he wants to give our lives he wants to put in our lives and we're getting enticed by the salad bar and I know we're being funny and stuff but a lot of us are. We're enticed by that and we miss out on the thing that God has for us. And Some of you have been giving in for way too long to the salad bar. You've been allowing that temptation to, to take you away from the good and perfect thing that God has. And today we we got to get a glimpse. We got to get some game study of what the enemy does. And man, he's trying to entice us. He's trying to tempt us. He's trying to drag us away from the good and perfect thing that God has for our lives. And it's time for us to stop allowing ourselves to be dragged away. It's time for us to recognize the temptation that's coming after us. And say no more, no more, because I—that ain't God. That ain't God, because it is good and it's perfect, man. It's His. And today, God wants to set some of y'all free. Some of you guys, man, you've been—you've got a hook in you, and you don't know how to get free, because Satan doesn't play a catch and release game. He catches and he keeps. But I'll tell you what, man, we have a heavenly father who sent his son so that you could be released. So you could be let go of that temptation and find the fullness of all that he has for your life. And today he wants to do that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's some of you guys that are out there that have been given into temptation for way too long and you've allowed it to overtake your life in fact it's that temptation has become the very thing that's driving your life it's all you search after it's all you desire it's all you want and today God wants to set you free but this is what I know it says in the Bible that if we confess our sins if we say you know what that's me Bible says that he is able and just to forgive us our sins and provide healing in our life. That means he wipes away the evidence. He gives you a, a fresh start. And he doesn't just give you a life. He gives you a, an abundant life. And if that's you here today with every head bound and every eye closed, man, if you just slip your hand up real quick, it's just between me and you. Yes, yes, man, people all over the place. All over the place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. God, we just come before you right now. And I thank you so much that you sent your son not just to die, but, God, to overcome. And today we come before you, and, and whatever that thing is in your life, man, just, just, Say to God, this is where I've been sinning. This is where I've been messing up. And I just ask you to forgive me right now. Come into my life. Sent me free because who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, and we just ask you for your freedom to come back in our lives. God, we're not going to trade it in for the salad bar anymore, man. We're not going to end up at the, the casino table anymore, giving up our hard-earned cash because it's enticing us. We're not going to end up in that bedroom with that guy or with that girl because they're enticing us anymore. But God, we're going to allow the freedom of Christ to reign in our lives. And we're not going to allow ourselves to be tempted anymore, but we're going to give in to the good and the perfect thing that God has for us and we're going to run after that today. God, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you so much for your grace, God. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to resist the devil because the Bible says when we resist him, when we flee temptation, God, when we resist the devil, man, he will flee Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for transforming our hearts today and for performing heart surgery and changing us. God, we make you our Lord and our Savior. That means you're number one in our lives. Nothing else is before you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.